0: Hey Steve, we're back with another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. We're getting back on a good schedule. This is a week after the last one we did. How you been? I'm doing good, Jeff. How you doing? You been shooting at all? You know, I actually went and and shot tonight. Uh, I didn't shoot for a week after the West Florida Championships. I took some time off. You know, I shot six guns, but being the match director and uh, working with Dean, who was a range master, uh, it took a lot out of me. So I took a week off and uh, and relaxed. But I was out at the range, and uh, you'll never guess what I was doing today. Uh oh! Mm-hmm. Tell me. I didn't shoot a single stage. Really? What were nope. you doing? I was working on draws. Hey, um, there you go. You know, and this is something I want uh, to to point out to people out there is that you know, it's one thing, it's great, you know, you set up a roundabout or pendulum or five to go and and you shoot that, but you're really only focusing on that stage. And when you think about it, and of course you and I have talked, I call the first shot the draw, even if you're talking about a rimfire or a rifle. Um, You've got that four times on virtually every stage, except for one stage, outer limits. And if you can cut a tenth of a second off you're almost at a half second off your total time just in your in your first shot uh in fact i saw that uh training video that you posted uh working with chris barrett uh i think it was on accelerator and i think his draw was like a 0.49 oh yeah yeah it was accelerator and that's huge uh you know for you know if you've got a point I think mine. I'm probably good at .65. .7. So the difference between a .49. Let's make it easy. Call it a .5 and a .7. That's two tenths of a second. That's eight tenths of a second, just on four shots. Oh yeah. You know. So uh, you know, I've been focusing a little more on the centerfire gun, So I went out and took the open gun, and uh, I took the dot off the uh, the Sig because uh, I'm going to run. Uh, production and limited this weekend and uh, also brought the uh, the single stack of all guns heck yeah and uh you know 10 inch plate at 10 15 and eight, eighteen 18 yards uh working on some draws so it was good how about you you've been doing much shooting well you know i was gonna say the same thing that
1: i took a week off after shooting the west florida match and then i realized huh that's a lie. I got my 1911 back from Luke at KKM. I put a blog post out there to talk a little bit about that experience and had a little bit of frustration with my 1911. And you know, Jeff, I'm definitely a better rifle or long gun shooter than I am a handgun shooter. But there were times where I had flashes of brilliance with my 1911, and then <laughs> and then there was flashes of something that wasn't so brilliant and and. <laughs> So uh, I've always had great, lucks, great luck with KKM barrels and drop-in and also gunsmith guns and some of my SJC Glocks that I have, and I don't know, i probably got 10 KKM barrels and, and other guns. I said, you know what, let me send it to the professional and the specialist and see what's going on, and and sure enough, there was uh, a fit issue going on with the gun. I won't get into the intimate details, but high-level Luke put in a, a new barrel for me, a KKM barrel, and... Man, that thing is, I feel like a bullseye shooter now. I'm nice. Yeah, you know, the barrel well,
0: makes me a better shooter, I can tell you that already. So. Well, you know, most times when you're missing, everybody wants to think it's the gun. It's it's usually the nut behind the trigger. It uh, actually
1: was the gun, Jeff. This <laughs> <was> the gun. <laughs> In this case, it was the gun. <laughs> this one time. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we... so I got it back after the West Florida match, and so I, I put some rounds down range on Monday. I was giddy like a little schoolgirl, and then uh, took a little bit of time off. And then uh, the Chris Barrett came over to do some uh, training and we shot, uh, I don't know, three different stages. We shot Accelerator and then Showdown and then we shot shot a little Outer Limits and I posted my best video because, hey, there wasn't so many good best videos out there (laughs) on Outer Limits, so I had to throw one up there so I could go back to it and make me feel good about myself but yeah, Outer Limits is is one when I published my my uh, classifications here this past week. You know, it's the first classification that I've had under 60 seconds, so I guess if I shot all those personal bests, I could shoot a sub, sub 60, and when I was looking at my times, because I did make a plan after World Speed Shoot of, hey, how am I going to get to below 60? What do I need to do on each stage to get below 60? And and Outer Limits was sticking out there. And I think one of the issues with that, Jeff, is we don't really shoot it that much at a our local match. And Agreed. So, yeah, and in, in that's cool. That's no excuse, though. But, you know, I, I think I've shot it maybe sub-10 once. It was at a local match um, north of Atlanta, but they didn't turn in the scores at the time. They weren't affiliated. But outside of that, I think I'm sitting at like a 1040-something, which, uh, you know, the fastest – people in the world that's yeah i'm not saying it's slow but it's not going to be in the top three so i need to uh need a need a plan to get to to sub 10 which is uh three 3.33 seconds on each string and i think i've got it figured out now i just got to do it consistently which you know the last 10 strings that i shot i think i had one mic out of um you know nine of nine of the ten or i'm sorry one of the ten so i had nine good ones so that's the level of consistency that i'm looking for so we'll we'll see but uh yeah you know maybe maybe i need, need to opt for some more cells instead of a steak now and then and maybe i'll get to one, from <laughs> one box to another so i'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit though
0: well you know uh, let, let's talk about outer limits uh for our listeners um i personally love the stage um having started this game in the uspsa um, and having to do the movement, I really love the challenge of that stage, uh, and I love the intricacies of it you know and I 've done the math every other stage has twenty four ways to shoot it. Now, most of them aren 't viable you're not going to shoot one, four, two, three, stop, and smoke and hope right right You throw that out. Um, but you know, one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. You know, I shoot it three, four, one, two. Stop. Those are all viable methods. Um, and even uh, you know, people say, well, there's only one way to shoot five to go. But we've both seen some some people shoot it four, three, two, one. Stop and right, right. put up some serious speed. But when you look at outer limits, there's only four ways to shoot the stage. You're either going to go one, two, and then you're going to move and go, for sake of argument, three, four, stop. Or you're going to go one, two, and then move and go four, three, stop. Right. Or two, one, and then move, and, of course, the other two on that side. So there's only four ways to shoot it. And quite frankly, I've seen a lot of good shooters – And I've seen all four methods shot well. So when people mean to say to me, you know, what's the best way to shoot that stage? My first answer is, what do you feel comfortable with? How do you like to move? Do you like to shoot left to right? Do you like to shoot right to left? You know, uh, that 12 inch plate at the, I think it's 20 yards, plate one. Uh, quite frankly, looks to be about the same size as that 18 by 24 that's at 35. Oh, yeah, it certainly does. So visually, you're not, you know, changing it. And if you think about, uh, I, I do this with a lot of people that I train. I have them point their gun, get it all sighted in. Works well with iron sights, but it also works with dots. Sight it all in. And then I move the gun just a little. And I say, is the gun on target? And they go, no. I said, doesn't take much to miss and your margin of error is a lot less even though it's a bigger plate it's 35 yards away. So we're talking about orders. How do you like to shoot outer limits?
1: Uh, I'll tell you that. I was just thinking while you were saying, you said, oh, man, that's a 12-inch plate, plate one. I'm sitting here thinking, man, I think that thing's like an 8-inch plate. How far <laughs> out is it? <laughs> Maybe I'm doing it wrong. No, it's, uh, it is uh, it is a 12-inch plate, but being out that far, um, well, let me go to the order here in just a second. One of the common things that I think we all need to be careful of when we're shooting a stage such as outer limits, same thing happens with speed option, is you've gotta be careful on how you sight in your gun. That's why we recommend 18 to 20 yards or so. Agreed. What, what a lot of people don't really understand is that the bullet, specifically a twenty two, is actually climbing, coming out of the muzzle just, just a little bit. And so if you have your gun sighted in at maybe 10 yards and it's dead center, and then you throw one out to 35 yards, it'll be on the top third of the plate, and, and that's natural. So you just need to understand where your, uh, your bullet trajectory is and inside in appropriately, and that's one of the common issues that I find when I'm training folks, whether it's on a stage like speed option or showdown or you know outer limits with some back targets. So here's what I do, Jeff, for lack of I don't know. It's just one of those things the way that I've always shot, and I've tried it a couple different ways. But the way that I first start shooting it is one, two, going to the next box, four, three, stop. And so I'm coming in, I'm shooting a little plate, then the big plate, then coming into the next box, shooting a little plate, big plate, and then the stop. And for whatever reason, the reason why I choose to do it that way is I do think shot number one is a little bit tougher than shot number two and there's something in my training that goes back years and years that says, hey, you know what? You always want to draw on one of the toughest targets. So if you have an array and you, and you select one of the toughest um, first when you're doing your quote-unquote draw, sometimes you, you, know, you want to make sure you got a good string started off on a good first shot. So I always throw one on, on that one. And then the second one, I'm, I'm careful, but I don't neglect it. Then when I'm coming in the next box, I treat the array backwards. But as soon as I get in that next box, I need to make sure that my dot is on that uh, that fourth plate, you know, that round 12-inch plate. And then where I make up a little bit of my speed is how fast I transition the gun, you know, shoot those last couple shots coming into the stop plate. Those, those last two shots are probably two of the quickest shots that I have in Steel Challenge, and I do that intentionally to compensate for uh, –
0: my lack of speed from going one box to another i i shoot the same way and for for very similar reasons um one of them was two years ago when i went to uh us steel which was my first big match ever um i'd only ever shot the stage once before and uh i talked to shannon smith and i said how do I shoot this? How do I move? And he told me, and that's the way I've always done it. So I've never, and again, you know, we can't shoot that at the whack. so I don't get a chance to really practice it any other way, and I I stick with what I know. A couple of the reasons as I've gone through the years and breaking it down for me is, you know, for a right-handed shooter, your movement is going to go left to right. And coming up on plate two and then transitioning back to one you're actually moving the gun in the opposite direction the way you're moving great point you're exactly right and so i like to same kind of thing come up ensure that shot and and plate two is definitely a shot that i will call um if the dots on the plate i'm pulling the trigger and i'm moving and i'm not waiting for any listening or anything and if I end up doing the steel dance, I end up doing the steel dance. Um, but you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, Jeff, I'm not sure if I know exactly what you're talking about. Could you video for that for the for yes. the audience,
1: and we'll post it up on the Facebook page.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and for those that for those that have shot with me, uh, I've also done the steel slide, uh, <laughs> the the uh, North Florida <laughs> Championships. I actually, uh, uh, you know, crappy sneakers, wet grass, and um, I went down, but that muzzle stayed forward, and uh I got up and finished the stage
1: you know in all seriousness, I think we talked about that maybe once before I was at that match, and the grass was probably like eight or ten inches the day before it was freshly cut grass literally the day before, and it rained at night. I mean that was probably the trickiest stage um of outer limits I've ever seen set up any place across the country it was it was pretty di- Pretty dicey, even with, you know, uh, footwear that had, you know, like some sort
0: of traction on it. It was, that was pretty, that was pretty tough. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I've also watched a lot of good shooters. Um, After you've released the shot for plate two. Yep. For your rifle, what are you doing with it? Are you keeping it shouldered? Are you dropping it? Explain to our listeners how you take uh, attack this stage. Well, you
1: know, I think that's a great question, Jeff, because this past weekend I was trying some different things because, like I said, you know, I think I need to be in that 950 range. And, and uh, so I was pushing it pretty, pretty darn hard. You know, I get that great first shot, and then I'm pulling up and calling the shot on the second one. And, and I'll, I'll share this little tidbit with you in conjunction with your question about what I do with the rifle. What I'm having to do is I'm actually starting to move as the gun's coming up on the second plate. It's it's a little bit it's it's risky, um, but when you know compared to uh, Chris Baird, I think he shot like a 960 at the World Speed Shoot, and at George, I think he shot a 940, and and I think in PCCI he may have the new world record. So he's shooting this thing in the mid in the mid nines and. Anyway, um, to catch up to Chris on a stage like that, where he's got a distinct athletic advantage to me, because I think he's like six foot eight, and the guy weighs <laughs> a pounds soaking wet with six back under each arm, but he's not old. Frank, so that's another story. Mountain Dew, that's right, Mountain Dew. He he uh, he goes from. I mean, I've got a video of it from him going from one box to another. I mean, is completely effortless. The kid moves so fast, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we're. Um, timing his transition time and I would say on average he's probably in that one six to one six eight sometimes when he's pushing it pretty aggressively he's in the one five what I mean by that from the second shot to the third shot that's the time that we're measuring on the timer and you know my hey I'm shooting one then shooting the other and then I'm moving and I'm very deliberate Oh man, I'm I'm 2 seconds and you know that that's costing me a full second on the stage. So what I've done is, you know, I'm taking a getting a good sight picture, picture on the first one. I think my first shot is probably .5354, maybe up to a .6 if if I'm pretty calculated and then that second shot's pretty pretty darn quick it's maybe uh, a split of a 0.3.33 that's that's kind of where i'm at right now so the first two shots are going off sub 1 second and what i'm doing is i'm pulling up on that second shot and i'm already my momentum's already starting to go a little bit towards that second box and i'm calling that baby and maybe even one foot slightly just bringing up my right foot and again that's how i'm trying to shoot this thing in 950 and then i keep the gun shouldered I launch out. I do not reposition my feet. And I talked to a very, very good shooter here. I don't know. it was probably eight months ago. I won't tell you who he is. Ron Flowers. But we were at a match over <laughs> in North Carolina, and um, you know, I was working on his rifles. And Ryan's a fantastic shooter. And I was uh, talking to his dad, and I said, "Hey, I'm not going to bother him while he's shooting, but you know, uh, watch his feet." And so what he was doing, he was doing like a shuffle step inside the first box, going over to the next box. I told him I said take a video of that and show it to him when, when he gets uh, when he gets home because that's costing him probably a point two or point three seconds. Because yep. footwork is everything. You gotta come out your right foot, left foot, then right foot in the box, and then your left foot into the box. But I'm keeping the gun shouldered for a rifle. And then I've got the gun not completely lined up with plate number four, but it's right there and I and I accelerate as hard as I can coming out of that first box, and I'm trying to soften my step into, into the shooting position because if I go in too hard, the rifle's all over the place. And so what I do is I'm right right off of that plate, and so I just get just the barrel just under the plate, bring it up, see it, and then I transition hard coming through. And I noticed one thing. Cole Bush used to, d- to shoulder the gun. He used to take it down and lift it up, kind of like what a lot of people do, shooting PCC and USPSA. The last match that I saw him shoot, I saw him not do that. So I would be interested to talk to him why he uh, why he changed. But uh, keeping the gun up on the shoulder in that situation, I don't think I can move any quicker just because you're taking two steps. And by the time, with my lack of coordination, <laughs> getting the gun back up where it
0: should be may take actually uh, a little bit a little bit uh, extra time. I agree, and you you know you're talking about where tenths of a second or even less matter. Um, it's wasted movement, wasted time, and the gun's moving around too much. Um, when I first started shooting this, I actually tried to target plate four as I was moving. And I realized that I was trying to do too much, and I was, I was moving slower than I could have um, by trying to maintain a sight picture on that plate. Uh, so I do the same thing. I do drop the gun just out of my sight picture. So I actually lose the dot if you will moving when I'm moving. But the gun stays shoulder and it's it's almost like a a mini draw stroke back up to four. Um, now are you keeping the dot in your in your field of vision or are you are you dropping it out on four or on Yeah, when you're when you're transitioning from from the boxes and 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 uh, I'm assuming you're still shooting plate four as uh, as your first shot when you're in the middle box. Yeah. So
1: so let's talk a little bit briefly about the video. I think it's got like 1,800 views and uh, whatnot from this past weekend with Chris and I on Accelerator. Let me explain that a little bit, and I'll I'll kind of get back into outer limits here. Okay. So one of the things that um, you know I noticed a while ago, and Chris Barron and I've talked about it and this isn't the first time we've talked about it. First time we talked about it was probably 8 months ago and then 6 months ago, 3 months ago and then we talked about it this weekend. He's shooting accelerator probably in the mid 16s, um maybe 175 and um you know when he goes, you know, 110%, 120% where he really lights him up, you know, the kid's shooting at a 135, you know, but the the likelihood he's connecting on all those is, eh, you know, maybe once right. in a while. But what what's happening is is he's seeing the dot on every single target I do as well. I always see on accelerator. I always see the dot on every single target. But what's happening is is if he can get four good ones, maybe you know between that one sixty five and heck anything under two seconds is is still considered really good. And he he opens one up and just happens to connect on one of those three fives or one fours or somewhere in there. That takes his total down time down about you know between point three and half a second. yep that's why he can shoot it and i I'd have to look to see what his fastest time. I think mine's in the sevens, his maybe mid sevens. I think Grant's probably mid sevens. Cole Bush, I think is seven forty seven fifty somewhere in there. but that's one way of of going about it. But what we were talking about on the video that you know some people are like, oh man, that's crazy. Well, that's not the way I was taught shooting USPSA and that's not the way I was taught and okay, but with a rimfire gun, PCC or rimfire rifle open and I've tried it all, Jeff, trust me. It's it's I think you got to be a student of the game to get better and understand what your splits are, your you know, your first shot time and you know where you need to make up time and all that kind of stuff. But wh- the concept that we were talking about is most people are taught to cut your eyes meaning this, you pull up on an accelerator on the first plate Uh, drop your gun keep your eyes on the plate when the timer goes off you pull the gun up and the dot should be square in the middle of the target you pull the trigger and go and in the cut your eyes scenario plate two is the big 18 by 24 there is to get your eyes there and then once the gun gets there you pull the trigger so your eyes are leaving the uh the center of the optic and then you transition your eyes to plate number four and then come back through but what 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 Chris and I have been working on, and and I think it's helped both of us on different stages, is that in some of these faster stages, and I'll get back to outer limits here in a second, on some of these faster stages, we're keeping our eyes inside of the dot itself, inside the the optic itself. So outside of the first shot, on the first shot, I'm looking at the plate, and as soon as I see the, the red dot, clear as day on the first target i'm squeezing the trigger and then as soon as and it's very tough to do jeff i swear to god sometimes it's like would you keep your (laughs) eyes at that inside the inside the optic and then i see every single shot but it's kind of like one of those uh, first shooter games on playstation that's the best way i can say to explain it is once the little zombie gets inside or the or the or the uh rectangle or the circle gets inside the the um on you, you keep it inside the the optic, but once it comes into sight, you see the red on the target. And you squeeze the trigger, and something very interestingly happens. And Chris and I were talking a little bit about it this past weekend. You know, he was shooting them. You know, in that one six five one seven range, and I was as well. It's it's it feels like you're shooting slow. It's like oh man, I feel like I saw everything and this and that. And it's like that should be a two second run. And it's like a one six or a one seven or a one one eight and it, it's it's interesting. There's some feedback out on Facebook and on the post about it. It's like, well, I wasn't taught that way. That's not a one-size-fits-all, and I'll say the same thing. I do the same exact thing on um, Smoke and Hope. When I set the world record here in Rimfire Rifle Open, I saw the dot on every single on every single plate, and what happens is, is you lose that sense of panic, and I know you've seen it because mm-hmm. I, I've had it as well. It's like, oh, shoot. I, I, it's a drink-rated show. That was close. But I, I got to move the gun quicker. I got to shoot faster because the timer's not saying I'm shooting fast. And it's like, well, if you just see everything, and you got to see it quickly, but you see everything when you need to see it and pull the trigger, it's, uh, you know, good results and things go fast. So I tell you that to tell you this, that on outer limits, I raise the gun up, point it right at uh, plate number one, drop the gun down, timer goes up, it comes up, and I follow the optic on the second plate. I see the dot. I squeeze the trigger, and I'm, I'm, I'm booking. And I, at that point in time, my, my head is leaving the gun or the sight, if you will. And then it's like the same thing that's happening on plate number four, same thing that happened on plate number one. I bring the gun up just down, and that's why I do it, bring it just from underneath it because I'm used to seeing it that way. As soon as I see the red on the target, and then I follow the dot into the last two shots. Okay. So why they're so quick.
0: And that's and that's what I do as as well. And that's and that's what's been working for me. And I actually got it when I saw um uh uh Cole shooting. I watched Cole very specifically. And what I saw was just that same thing. That that gun was shouldered and he was he was dropping it out of his sight so his 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 head he was moving and He wasn't looking down, and that's something that I want to point out to everybody, too. Um, It's not wrong to look down, but it's going to be faster if you just know you can make it there. Um, And I don't know what you do. I personally put two blue strips of, of the painter's tape six foot apart, and one day just practiced what that movement felt like. And, and I try not to look down anymore uh, because, again, to me it's wasted movement. If I can keep my eye on that plate number four, the gun just out of view, know that I'm going to get there, and as soon as that left foot hits and that left foot either just makes it inside the, uh, the shooting box in the middle or sometimes comes down right on top of it, but as soon as that foot hits, I'm ready to break the shot.
1: And I think the thing we've got to be careful of, Jeff, and I'm not being critical, but at the World Speed Shoot this year, I don't know the size of the box themselves. I don't know if it was a two-inch box or if it was an inch and a quarter or something like that. But you got to be mindful when you're shooting outer limits because one of, the, one of the worst things you can have happen is is go down on a stage like that. And, and we talked a little bit about you, but it is extremely serious. As soon as you go into a falling motion – to make sure your finger's outside the trigger and yep. you should be doing that anyway um in in outer limits going from one box to another but what happened at the world speed shoot is people were digging their foot in digging their foot in so at one point in time there was like a four inch it was almost like a four inch um deep box that you're shooting out of and a really popular shooter that we won't mention i almost did but um, got DQ'd because they fell coming out of that box in outer limits, and so that's probably the only exception. If you know that you're in a situation where, you know, you 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 practice on something that maybe an inch in height, and then you're in a situation you're two, three, four inches deep, you know, that's what happened to me. I I peeked down because I I sure you know I was having a pretty good match, and I wasn't gonna waste it all on, you know, making sure I didn't get my silly foot out of the box, but. Just gotta be careful in those types of uh those types of conditions.
0: Well again, I think you you raise a good point there in that every range is different. I know when I shot the match at oh what's the match at Griffin. Okay. Yep. yep. The the outside of the box, the gravel had actually rolled up and it was almost a mound. Yeah. And I actually asked the R.O., I said, if my foot's on the box but I'm touching that, is that going to be considered a procedural? And this is something everybody's got to think about because, of course, if you don't make it into the box, if you're touching outside, and even if you're standing on the box, the way the rules are written, if you're standing on the box but a part of your foot is touching outside, that's a procedural. Right, and so uh, you raise a good point: is that you've got to look at every range, every stage, uh, and and how you're gonna how you're gonna uh, at- attack that. Some people use the yeah, the and one I, inch I think that's a great point,
1: Jeff, because in that video that I posted, I don't know if it was yesterday or something like that. It was uh, you know at the end of the training session. I said, Ah, oh, let's do this, and I made fun of chris baird a little bit love you chris like a brother because there was a couple times he was he was you know because when you're practicing sometimes you got to push it and see how fast you can go before you fall off the edge and my man chris he he found it and he started, <laughs> he started uh shooting the last three shots in the in the center box on one foot i mean it was it was kind of all over the place and he, a little prey and spray and i think he yeah may have killed a woodland creature out behind the berm <laughs> don't tell him i said that but uh you know but anyway he he had some rocking fast times you know uh i'm not sure if he connected doing that that once and so the video that we took you know his dad jeff he uh he volunteered to take a couple videos in that last one i was like all right I'm i'm gonna open one up here and so on that second shot my body is moved over probably about eight inches or so when the second shot breaks my foot's just coming up, but even if that foot is in the air, and it's out in the middle, while that shot's going off, as long as I'm not touching the ground with my right foot, correct, it's a, it's a non-issue, and then into the shooter's box, as long as my right foot's down, and my left foot is in the air, I can shoot the last, whatever shots it just happened to be the last, I don't know, maybe it was the first two out of the last three, well, my left foot was up in the air, and you know, it hit, and I caught a 289 i was like man i wish i could bottle that but you know it's uh you just got to be careful of those types of things because you can ruin uh, a pretty good run by discharging around
0: outside of the box like that well you know you raised a couple good points here that i want to i want to step back on and 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 early on you know and one of the first videos i ever watched um, was a great video put out by trenton Mitsuoka
1: Mm -hmm. on shooting
0: the outer limits and where he talks about your most aggressive move is your first step, yeah, coming out of the box, and then everything else you're actually slowing down and smoothing now I'm not didn 't say go slow, I said slowing down, um, because if you get into the box and then have to settle, that 's time wasted, yeah, you're when you're we talk in the box
1: yeah, to describe that to a shooter when we talk about settle. It means being able to get the gun in the sight on that target by the time you get into that box. Because that time when you're actually inside the box, you're trying to get that dot or front sight on on that target. That's how long. When Jeff's talking about settling, that's how long. That's how long that it uh, that it takes. But you cannot shoot those last three shots aggressively, and you know from the the back plate to the stop plate. If you, if you don't have the, the dot on that front site, or on that uh, plate number four in the example that we're using, because if you're kind of all over the place on that one, you're gonna probably take a little bit extra time to settle on the back plate before you hit the stop plate pretty hard. And so it's it's very important to hit that plate four, again, in the order that we're talking about, to hit that plate four under control, uh, like I shared a little bit ago, You know that's where I make up a little time on some of the best shooters out there is my transition coming off of that uh plate number four. I'm trying to make up for my inability to get from one box to another as quick as somebody like, you know, fill in the blank, you know, McKenzie or Cole or Grant or Chris or Colby or, I don't know. That <laughs> seemed like a long list there, Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're all under 20. It doesn't <laughs> count. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Wait, the other thing, the other point is uh you were talking about footwork. Um And I've had a number of people ask me, you know, should I cross my feet? Um, You know, how should I move? Um, And I think a lot of different people, it's a lot of different styles. I don't cross my feet. Um, I take that first big step with my right foot, and my left foot comes to it, and then I take another step, and I'm in the box. Right. Um, I don't like crossing my feet because, it's again, it's, to me it's too much twisting motion that isn't helping me get prepared to, 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 to uh, break a shot on plate four. Um, the other thing that I've noticed, and I've done this a lot, and uh, I had a great guy, an uh, uh, older shooter, Dwayne Collins, but he's a wealth of information, and I used to end in the second box with my left foot, and I would shoot on my toe. So my right foot would be flat foot and my left foot would be, I would just be on my toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. why are you doing that? And I said, well, it's faster. He's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and you're not as stable
1: Yeah, on your toe. You're exactly right. That's That's exactly what I was gonna say, Jeff, because I've seen quite a few good shooters do that. And, you know, it may work out sometimes, but the lack of stability, again, if you're driving and pushing the gun pretty hard like I am, whew, yeah, you know, you may shoot that fifth shot and you're falling out of the box again, but just got to be careful with that. Yep, I agree. Now, uh,
0: do you do it any different? I mean, again, you, you, you're a a fantastic rifle shooter and a, and a, and a very good pistol shooter, but do you do it much different when you're shooting pistols, either rimfire or centerfire?
1: Let's, uh, let's stay on (laughs) talking about the rimfire side of things. The the centerfire I can talk to in theory. It's it's just one of those things. Okay. You know, I was talking to a couple of people this past weekend about centerfire and I I love to shoot it, but it's one of those things that, you know, I may shoot uh, handgun centerfire, maybe only 5,000 rounds a year, six, 7,000 rounds a year. I'll shoot 20,000 through my PCC, and I'll shoot another 50, 60, 70,000 in rimfire. So I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like, what do you really want to be good at? And, you know, maybe one of these times I'll just say, hey, because I love shooting open. I love shooting my 1911. Love shooting carry optics and uh, love shooting revolver. You know what I love shooting it all, Jeff. I guess is what I'm coming down to. I'm
0: with you, brother. I'm but, with you.
1: But in order to stay as one of the, you know, the best rimfire, specifically rimfire rifle and PCC open shooters, and what I think in the country, you gotta kind of stay with it and practice. Sure. You know, sure. and so that's where I wanna. That's where I feel like I am. and That's where I want to stay. And so I, it's it's tough to give that up. And I'm focused a little bit more on the iron sight guns here. Uh,
0: all lately. right. But. I have a next question that I think a, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of our listeners would like to hear your take on it, okay. and that is your start position, okay? Uh-huh. Now, those plates are 20 yards and 35 yards away from the front of the box. Right. Okay? Yep. And we have to move. If you're a right-handed shooter, you're moving right to left. So I know where I like to stand, but why don't you tell people where you like to stand? All right. So I'm going to answer that question.
1: And I'm going to go back to the other question. I okay. Like, yeah. So I like to stand in. It's it's one of those things that I'm five foot. Uh, let's say five foot nine and a half, but I, I'm five foot nothing. So um, disproportionately people are going to start looking at me weird now, but from my waist, to my head is a lot longer than the waist to my toe. So I've got short legs. Thanks, dad. Appreciate that. Um, so what happens is on the first on the first shot in the first box, I actually almost have my feet completely together, maybe slightly apart. Um, if they're apart, they're not more than a couple inches apart, which is not stable compared to all the other stages that I'm shooting fast at. So I've learned to compensate for that a little bit. But I stand probably in the uh, a third from the back of the box because I've got a natural motion when I'm coming out with my right foot left and then right. I end up moving forward about four to six inches and and so if i stand in the front of the box and i made that transition and you know closing my eyes i'd be standing or just outside that the front of the box and so i always try to get towards a little bit back in the box but not too far back uh for those two for those two reasons but i'm right all the way up against the right side um, shooting with chris he puts his right foot right on the right on the side of the box and itself and I haven't done that yet but maybe maybe that'll help just a, a little bit
0: that's about where I stand too and and I, I've showed a lot of people this is that and you pointed out even if you closed your eyes you know you're going to move forward um, most people when they move laterally also move forward right right it's not a natural motion to move laterally and move backward right so I've seen some people where they're actually standing in the front of the box. And let's face it, the box is four. It's a four foot box. So is there really a difference between 20 or 21 yards, one foot? <laughs> and it's not, not even that. Not is it really, really going to make a difference? 35 yards, 36 yards? That distance is, is irrelevant. Right. But when right. you talk about having to add the movement aspect of it, and again, not having to look down, knowing you're going to get there. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I actually stand pretty much in the back right corner of right. the of the first box, and so I can make that bursting move, and in, and I end up about in the middle of the box. So I'm actually oh, yeah. going oh, yeah. at an angle. Yeah. Um, and what's uh, now? You wanted to go back to an earlier question, so let's yeah, do yeah. that. Because then I got another. I got another one that I think people want to hear.
1: Okay, so back to the pistol conversation. Whether it's rimfire pistol or if it's a open gun or 1911 or what have you, any pistol, I do treat it just a little bit differently. Uh, my start p- position is the same. Uh, my first shot is the same. But as soon as I break that second shot, I actually bring the gun in and I lean a little bit when I'm moving from box to box, and then. Just as I'm entering in, I put my right foot in there and as my left foot's coming in the box, I punch the gun out so it's right on target. So I'm seeing the sight as it's hitting the target and then, then I shoot it. And the reason why I do that, Jeff, is uh, data. I mean, I've taken video of myself doing it and I've tried it different ways and you know, how am I gonna shoot a three fifty with my rimfire pistol open gun and you know, cause I was stuck in that three eighty range. And what i found is I fluctuated between, um, what was it, uh, 0.2 to 0.27 seconds faster doing it that way compared to hanging the gun out. And I think what it came down to, because I'm not as good of a pistol shooter as I'm a rifle shooter, I think it's a little bit of stability or lack of stability getting in that second box. And I tried actually slowing down, and it, it was slow. So... I remember talking with, uh, I think it was Max or maybe it was Dave. Um, those guys were bringing in the gun as they were moving, and so they um, ended up shaving shaving some precious precious time. Almost saved me a second on
0: on uh, the whole stage. Let me. I'm going to put a shameless plug in here. First of all, I agree with you completely, um, and I think part of it is is that just don't even have a gun in your hand. And if you've got your hands fully outstretched in your position, try to move as opposed to moving with your arms in. You get, it just feels more natural, okay? But what you did was you tested it. And I know you've got the new house and you've got the home range, yada, yada, yada. But I know you did this before you had the home range. Right. I'm assuming, you did the testing. So you got to arrange, you were able to do some stuff. And this is something I want to point out to people. And here's where the shameless plug comes in for a, the AMG Labs timer, okay? Oh, yeah. This timer, and all timers give you splits, but this timer will actually put the splits into a pad if you've got a Bluetooth connected and you can go back and evaluate that. So you can understand, what was my first shot? What was my transitional shot? Did I take six, five, seven shots? And if on those strings of five, what was my time between shot two and shot three? And because that's your move, that's basically the time it's taking to move and reacquire the target. Um, But you you tested it, you 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 evaluated it. You didn't just say, "This is what I know, this is what I've heard, this is what I should do." And I think more people need to try to do that. Just because Steve says something or I say something, um, I mean. We we've both Steve more accomplished than I, but I've had some pretty good accomplishments. We're still learning. We're always oh, yeah. learning. And um everything we say may not work for you. I've got a good friend and I was trying to teach him something. And then I fear I finally realized he's left eye dominant. Oh yeah. Well, that changes some things with how they're holding the gun and and how they're standing. Um, so everything doesn't work for everybody, but again, the whole goal is to find the things that work for you the best, to give you the best string times, to then give you the best stage times, um, and that's always at that time, because I know over years, Steve, we talked two years ago, and we were talking about the JPs, and you were like, yeah, I really love my JP, I like a heavy gun, and now you're shooting one of the lightest guns out there on the market. And it brings a smile to my
1: face. Hey, I'll tell you a quick story about that, Jeff. I That's went into right. I went into the, I work I have I'm working for the same company, but in a different location. It's over by Peachtree City in Georgia, which is a very very nice place. Case you've ever been, but there's a um, a pub kind of um, restaurant kind of thing right next to a gun range. I know I'm like glorious. Finally, <laughs> so I had lunch there, and then I started walking through. Uh, uh, the store you know not doing any shopping or anything just you know seeing what was going on browsing you were browsing yeah (laughs) and and, and i won't shame the brand but um i said man you got any pcc's in here he's like oh yeah you mean uh nine millimeter yeah of course uh pistol caliber carbines oh yeah i got one of those and again i'm not going to say the name although it's very difficult to Think it was sbr it may have had a 10 inch barrel could have been slightly under that i said oh let me uh let me fondle that thing for you and so he gave me the gun and I picked, picked it up, I swung it, and I went, oh, my God, this thing's heavy. Uh, <laughs> and it was crazy. In yeah, yeah. And the handguard was probably no more than seven, eight, nine inches, somewhere in there. And my handguard on my JP is like 12 inches in the barrels, that 16-inch sleeve gun. And uh, it, it was remarkable the difference between between both of them. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, the JP, it's uh, – and I'll tell you a little bit more about it because uh, – this weekend, Chris Baird, he's been chasing breaking 60, shot a 60-point something with his PCC over at CMP with his PCC. Yep, you heard me, PCC. And, you know, we're talking about the pros and cons. He's got a 12-inch handguard because we spec his gun out based on my gun. And so we went with a 14-and-a-half-inch pin barrel, which is still very, very nice. It's, um, it's a little bit heavier than mine. Um, but a lot lighter than the 16 inch with the comp on it with the 15 inch handguard. And we're you know, the course of the three stages that we shot, he um he was able to shoot some stages better and some stages not quite as fast um with with my gun as with his gun. And that's the pro and con to it. You know, fast stages like smoke and hope, my gun's gonna be faster than his all day long. But stages, even like accelerator, where you're pushing the gun extremely hard, his gun felt a little bit more in control because there's a little bit more weight out there, and I think five to go is the same, I think pendulum's the same, but even stages like showdown, my gun's faster than his
0: roundabout. I'm sure yours you know
1: yeah it's it's the same thing, but it, you know you're talking .15, maybe a string or something like that, but there's that balance between um, stability. So I I think that uh, you gotta find what's what's right for you. Unfortunately, you know you can't just go to well maybe you can go to JP and shoot some stuff and uh, you know find what gun fits for you. But overall, um, friends of the podcast Lori O'Rear, she was down in Florida and she was trying a bunch of different guns and and uh, she ended up shooting my JP and it's it's it's. The thing that JP has perfected when you get the JP guys back on here is that, that SES, that silent capture system. Yes. Is It's important if you get the short stroke, which is the five weight, or the regular stroke, which is the four weight, is you tune the weights to the load of your gun, or you tune the load to your overall system. So I was talking with somebody over Facebook two days ago about, you know, this gun's beating me up and blah, blah, blah. And they had the um, JP buffer in it. And I said, well, what, what loads are you run? Well, it's 124 grain going 950, you know, feet per sec. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. It's beat the, you know, what out of you. Because you've got three stainless on there and uh, two tungsten. Throw two more tungsten on there or even three more tungsten. That baby's going to shoot like a dream. And and other systems aren't as adjustable. And, you know, there's another brand. Again, I'm not going to get brand, shamed, brand shaming but that they shot and it's like you have that spring going next to your head, which is so distracting. Uh, it's just, I, I can't believe people put stuff on the market like that, but it drives you crazy. But that's one of the reasons why I shoot the the JP stuff. And I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, everybody's got money to, um, fork over $2,000 on a gun, but I do have a discount code for 5% off if you need it. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's it, different equipment, you know, same thing with the rimfire rifle open gun. It's, it's a little bit lighter. It's faster on transitions. You just got to hold the gun and pull it in a little bit more on some of the more tougher shots so it's not moving moving around on as much.
0: Well, you know, so two points, uh, and then I'll stop asking my questions because I think this has been a really good session, um, and you just alluded to, and that was gripping the gun. Oh, yeah. And I think this is a mistake a lot of people make, specifically for those that shoot PCC and also shoot rimfire rifle, which is – most everybody that shoots PCC shoots a rimfire rifle and if you start rimfire rifle, you end up wanting to get a PCC. Um, and I've it's had a lot n- of people ask yeah. me, you know. Jeff, I, Jeff it's, it's really a natural progression. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, go <laughs> But I've had a lot of people say, I shoot my PCC better than I shoot my rimfire rifle. And I, and, and I go, do you want me to tell you Why? And they went, yeah. I said, because you don't respect the 22, You don't respect yeah. the rimfire. Yeah. I said, you say to yourself, oh, it's a rimfire gun. There's not, enough re- not as much recoil. And you don't grip the gun like you grip the PCC. Right. You know, and I tell everybody, yeah. I said, when yeah. you come off a stage, five strings, and you're putting that gun back in the bag or on your cart, if it doesn't feel like it's still in your shoulder, and I'm not talking about pain. But if it doesn't, if you don't still have a little bit of a, a feel of it being in your shoulder, you weren't gripping the gun hard enough. Yeah. You know, and when you suddenly start getting people to realize, if I really grip that gun in there, that that, that dot, or if you're shooting iron sights, that sight picture doesn't move.
1: Yep, yep, And when
0: it doesn't move, it sure makes it a lot more fun to shoot because then you're not hunting and pecking for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But Let's jump back to the last point I want to ask you about on outer limits, and that is your ending position. Now, I know the answer to this. I know what I do, but I want you to express to the people what you feel. So my guess is is that your starting position, you said your feet are just slightly apart, but you're mostly erect, straight up and down. You're not in any kind of crouching position, are you? No, I try not to be. But as you're moving, you can't help. Your knees are going to bend. You're going to get into a crouched position when you're moving. Yep. How do you end up in the, in the middle box? Well, I, I think
1: where you're going is, is that when you're transitioning from one box to another, you get low just a little bit to keep, you know, to kind of, skewed across and, and that's the way that I do it. I, I try to stay low, but yet a little bit vertical. And I try to keep, um, the weight more on the balls of my feet, not on the heels of my feet. Yep. So I'm in, try to be as much complete control as I can. And, uh, you know, I'm just a tad bit, a tad bit lower. The, the issue that I see what happens with some people as they shoot their last three shots. And, uh, I can take a video of the next person I see do it probably, at the next steel challenge match that I go to is people actually stand up Bingo. as, as they, That's as they what I wanted you to say. Yeah. <laughs> they stand up as they shoot the last three shots. And, and uh, it's kind of like when you shot basketball, when you're a kid or maybe you still play basketball today. So it's always easier shooting a three foot uh, free throw than it is a jump shot because it's, you got this perception that the bat, the backboard's actually moving when you're jumping up the air, when you're shooting a ball like that. And the free free throw easy for me to say tonight is a stationary shot and that's what happens when you're going in from one box to another is is if you can stay as constant not too far forward and still rotate remember rotate your uh, your body specifically at your hips and try to move at your knees and keep your upper torso kind of locked in position um, it's easier to shoot it that way than than coming up on on the gun and sometimes that can really hurt you when you're shooting an iron sight gun. May end up uh, doing the, what I call the prairie dog, where you're looking over the front of the sight, looking at the target, and and what happens is the front sight goes up and the back stays the same, and then you start shooting over the top of the targets. Yep. And somebody oh. just went. And somebody, Jeff, just went. Oh my God, that's what I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he knows yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> he's been there He he's bought every t-shirt all the socks he's got them all he could wear the wardrobe of all the issues you've all been through
1: oh there's not too many i haven't done or seen that's for sure
0: no but i'm glad i mean that was i knew the answer and and i knew the answer you were going to give and and it's in you you can see it with some people it's very apparent where they'll actually get into almost a low crouch as they're moving and i'm not saying that's bad but you don't stand up you're taking at least a quarter of a second to do that oh yeah to stand back up and now what you're also doing is you're adding you're you're already adding lateral movement and now you're adding uh vertical movement right right that isn't doing you any good and it's something that you know virtually everybody before their stage you know they say hey can i can i take a movement sometimes with without the gun usually without the gun because you're they're, they're down there painting, so you're practicing a couple. And just as you're doing that, shooters, think about it. And just test yourself. And as you move, go, oh, my God, I just stood up. Why did I stand up? I don't need to stand up. And, you know, you may find yourself saving that .2, .25 per string. .25 per string is .75. That's huge in outer limits for anybody at any level.
1: So Jeff, 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 I'm really self-conscious. right now. I'm watching the video that I posted the other day about me shooting that 289 on outer limits, and mm-hmm. I did not stand up, which is a good
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for Oh, you said you did do, but I saw the video you did.:
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because we do have a lot of listeners. I was checking it, and um, everybody out there, I just want to say thank you. Um, most of our podcasts end up breaking uh, 500 listeners. Um, through all the different places that we uh, send them out through. Uh, and, and I just want to say thank you. Um, we appreciate you listening to Steve and I. We love doing this. Uh, it's fun for us. Um, and contrary to popular belief, we don't get paid. Um, this is a labor of love. Uh, in fact, it's cost us both money because we've bought microphones, so we sound a little better. Um, but uh, I just want to say thanks again. We should say that every episode, but I would, I, I want to clearly say that uh, on this one.
1: Yeah, I echo those comments, Jeff. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I, I know it was most recently done the West Florida uh, Steel Challenge Championship match at your club. I think I had seven or eight people come up and talk to me and thank me for doing the podcast and whatnot. And it was uh, it was crazy. Some of the questions. Yeah, remember back on this episode when you talked about it, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was it was really cool to to talk uh, to talk to some of the folks that listen to the podcast. It's very humbling, and and uh, having that type of positive feedback makes me want to get back on the microphone again to, to you know to chat about what's going on in the shooting world and steel challenge specifically, a little rimfire challenge, a little u s b s a and. You know, we've been very humbled by the guests that we've had, everybody from, you know, Larry Joe Steele Jr., Steel Target Paint, to Brian Er at Hunter's HD Gold, to Mike Foley, El Prez. I mean, there's just, you know, whenever we've asked somebody in the industry, and we've got a list of some folks that we're going to have on soon, but, uh, you know, I haven't had a single person, and I'm not doing that, so it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, you guys are doing the podcast, you know, folks that we don't have a relationship with, and. Uh, maybe the timer guy will find out, Jeff. Uh, but it's 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 very humbling to to get the feedback that we've had and to have so many people that want to hear what we say is pretty
0: pretty darn cool. Well, he was uh, Alex is a is a friend on Facebook and he listens to it and uh, he actually reposted uh, our last episode because we talked about the timer and its uh, abilities and uh, so he's listening. So yeah, maybe we can get him on on here and. Uh, you know, talk about the the what, why, and how, and, and all that about that timer. Because uh, right now, to me, it's the best one on the market for what it does. I mean, other timers can do some other things. You know, the CED timer, not afraid to call them out. It's a great timer. Uh, if you get one with the RF chip, you can actually have it go to the big board, which is kind of cool. But when you look at the whole package, what the AMG does, the Bluetooth to the device—I mean, we just ran—we ran that entire West Florida match with those timers, and the person on the pad hit a button.
1: And, and you know what's cool about the timer? Because I think I sold one this weekend. Is looking at the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth shot. If you if you're unfortunately getting better, <laughs> I haven't seen if it, it goes out goes out to like ten. When you're shooting out,
0: single right. stack, right?
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Or your
0: KKM stand. barrel when you're shooting oh. singles. Oh. <laughs> Reload. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, one of the one of the coolest things that, you know, that I was talking to Chris about is like, look, if you're, you know, you need to burn this stuff consciously into your subconscious when you're shooting. In the last three strings I shot before that 289, we're getting all crazy and stuff. The and the first two shots cuz I was trying to be consistent because I'm trying to push that second shot as I'm moving a little bit. The, the margin of difference between my first two shots for the three strings that I shot, the first shot the variance was .03 seconds, and the second shot was .02 seconds on the last three strings. To me, I Chris is like you got to be kidding me. I said no, this it's it's and that's you're shooting it the same way every single time, and and that's what you need to be doing in practice. It's it's okay, you need to find out where your edge is, and then you need to back it off so you can see things and, and shoot it consistently, because who cares if you go down and, oh, well, I shot a 289 in the match, but that went nice with the with the other 12 seconds that I shot. <laughs> yeah, out. yeah, the,
0: the, oh, the other three 50. four second runs, uh, yeah. it didn't really matter, you know. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right, and so, you know, a lot of the key or one of my biggest keys to success in steel challenge has been consistency from, you know, string to string and stage to stage, and and, uh, will take out, you know, a lot of times, a lot of these guys that are throwing down or gals that are throwing down, you know, Oh, I shot that in 1.24 seconds, you know, but you gotta be able to do it over and over and over again, unless if you're on your fifth, fifth string. And so, yeah, there's a lot of cool functionality about the timer, but we gotta get the timer guy on. I got some questions for him.
0: There we go. Well, you know, um, I want to point out something to the shooters and I've shot, uh, I've been able to shoot a lot of matches with you, um, not as many as I'd wish, but, you know, we live six and a half hours away from each other. I had a friend of mine, uh, Gerald Reed, say to me, he goes, he goes, man, that Steve is consistent. I said, Steve knows at the end of the match for the entire match how many extra shot he, shots he took yeah. and how many he took into his score. Oh, yeah. And that's something to think about, everybody and it's not oh look how good steve is because he is but that's not what that's not my point oh stop i mean <laughs> come on jeff
1: keep talking some more
0: <laughs> my point is is that extra shots cost time and it doesn't matter how fast you're swinging that gun around if you miss it's going to cost you a minimum of 0.3 and probably more based on the plate i mean if you're if you're swinging hard say so you're shooting pendulum and you're just going the standard one two three four stop and you go one two three miss you're probably going to transition off that plate which means you now have to transition back to it and then you're going to go back to the stop plate it's going to it's going to that's probably going to take you more than 0.3 right
1: right right
0: but if you'd have taken that extra tenth of a second just to make sure that sight picture was there you'd have crushed the stage, probably set a personal best. And that's something that I really, when I watched Steve, he, I watched him shoot, now granted it was roundabout, one of the easier stages, but still, he was fast, and it was 25 shots, and he was done.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: There was no extras. And even when he was, you know, he put four in the four in the bank, that fifth, you know, and to quote our good friend Tom Nalen, blind squirrel run oh, yeah. wasn't at 150% because you didn't need to do 150 percent yep you were probably at 115 maybe 120 yep you know pushing those transitions maybe pulling the trigger before you had the perfect sight picture but you're going i got four in the bag oh yeah you know um so take that into take that into account people because uh, it, it uh just think about how many you know when you go home just if you took 250 rounds of the match, how many you got left? That's all the extra shots you took. And then maybe try to figure out how many you actually took in to score. How many non-five-shot strings did you take in to score? Um, it matters. It can make a big difference. You know, even, what, 0.3 seconds on two strings a stage for every stage is 0.6 times 8 is, that's almost five seconds.
1: Oh, yeah and, and so, there's and there's a lot of placements that are that are separated like in rimfire rifle open in west florida match by 0.03 seconds it's crazy it's 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 a fraction of a makeup shot and it's uh, you know some people don't like to hear their times but early on the lesson that i learned was is uh, i had a great one i was like oh yeah watch this no that was the wrong <laughs> approach and so for every single gun that i shoot i know where my hundred percent or what I call the edge is and I know where I need to be shooting ninety percent at and and over the course of the time, you know, I can usually call the 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 buzzer, I would say, within, you know, a couple of hundreds, sometimes, you know, uh point zero five seconds, you know. Oh yeah, that was a one ninety five. Oh no, it was one ninety six. Oh my bad. You know, it's uh <laughs> But, but I think you need to have that level of awareness when, when you're shooting in order to stay in control and be in control. Uh, and I'm not sitting here saying you need to go one-for-one one all the time, but you need to understand how fast you can shoot something before you start missing uh, at that edge and then be able to back it down
0: but and really ma- manage this. it. And, and that's a, something I tell a lot of people, too, is your one-for-one one is going to be your fastest strength,
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: You know, and that's the key. I can't shoot one for one and shoot at your speed on a PCC. Right. Okay. I shouldn't try to be Steve Foster. I should be the best Jeff Jones I can be and keep training and keep practicing and and work on that and keep pushing. I think a lot of people think that, you know, I have to go one for one and go fast, and you do, but you got to find, you know, I love your description of the edge um, and that, you know, your first string in a, in, a, in a match, what? You're maybe shooting at 90% of your edge. You're sitting there, okay, I'm going to get the feel. I'm going to get in. You're not going out at 110%.
1: Yeah, and be able to, to throttle that, like, you know, at the West Florida Steel Challenge match. I know we talked a little bit about it uh, last week, but I know that I'm not going to shoot 100% stage times there. And so even on roundabout, I think it was room fire rifle open. I shot a good 85, 90% round. Like, oh, okay. Then I tried to dial it up to like 95, and like, oh man, what just happened? <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? And then I backed it down and shot uh, three more clean ones. But you got to be able to have that ability to control how fast you're shooting and and moving the gun and have that level of awareness, which does take time. So if you think that you're going to shoot a monthly match, uh, once a month or twice a month, and get better, eh, you may, but you know, you really need to practice in in order to get better, and that's one of the things that Chris and I were talking about. I should have recorded the conversation and just played it, but one, you know, one of the things that we talked about is the the big difference and why people are getting better and whatnot is shoot more. You know, yeah, Be able to not go to a. It, it's different. You don't need to go to a range and dump a thousand rounds every practice session. Yeah, once a week. You know, Chris and I probably burn through seven hundred fifty, eight hundred, maybe a thousand rounds. Um, in a four or five hour training session but you know during the week i'll shoot 150 or 200 here 150 200 there and leading up to a big match i may dump a, a little bit extra but you know it's uh when you start shooting 100 rounds here a couple hundred rounds there they do add up over the course of a week to well over a thousand but you know it's 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 okay to take time off after a match and i encourage that and and if you're getting frustrated with something, put the gun down for a little bit and come back to it in a couple days or a week later and then and then get out there and practice. But if you're frustrated and and you're just burning ammo, eh, that's probably a better use of time. Go home and hug your family or something, man. It's uh Good yeah. Point. yeah, you don't need to be wasting wasting ammo.
0: Steve, let me ask you one other question. Um that uh, just came to mind and we we're talking about, you know, shooting at the edge and shooting at 110, 120. When you've put those four strings in the bank, okay, and you're coming up and going, okay, I get my blind squirrel. Whether you call it that or not, we all know what it means. Um, the one thing that I do, and I don't know if you do it or not, and that's why I want to get your perspective on it, is I'm still, I'm not trying to turn a .75 or a .65 draw into a .45 draw. Agreed. Because... You've immediately tanked the stage if you don't get that first shot. Yeah. Yep. So yep. I tend, I tend to maybe, I don't even want to say snap a little harder. Maybe just dig in and and maybe take a chance on that first shot. But really, saying to myself, I'm going to try to make this up in more of the trend, you know, faster transitions.
1: Yeah, and I. I Yeah, I would do the – I do the same thing. I mean, you know, if I went out there on some of these stages and I think the fastest string time I've ever had in competition was 1.18 seconds. It was on showdown. And that one, you know, just messing around. We're at a local match, blah, blah, hey, watch this. And literally I I threw up the gun and transitioned the gun, looked over the top of the gun, and somehow was able to connect, pulling the trigger almost as fast, if not – as fast as I could, but that aside, you know, when I was at the world speed shoot, you know, we're talking about rimfire rifle open and uh, I think my first one was a one, six, five or somewhere in there and it was a throwaway and I had, you know, I knew I had four good ones. The first shot, I did snap it just a little bit harder. My transitions were about the same and then I just threw one at the stop plate. You know, I, maybe I saw it, maybe I didn't, but that's where I, I picked up and I shot a 142, I think. I don't know. I got it on video somewhere but, you know, it's just that kind of thing, and, you know, on five to go, uh, Grant and I were messing around one night at my, at, at my house at the range, and just, hey, how fast can you pull the trigger, you know, yeah, I could shoot it at a 140 as well, but, you know, maybe hit three out of four, or mm-hmm. four out of five, or maybe I got five out of five once in a while, but it's just not sustainable, so I'll, I'll, I'll go aggressive on the first one, I try to keep my transitions the same, and try to throw one at a, stop plate, because most stop plates outside of speed option are, you know, pretty good plates that you can throw a shot at, kind of point shoot them, you know what I mean? Yep, I do.
0: Well, Steve, it's always great talking with you. I think we got a lot of good information out here about outer limits and some other things. Uh, I got nothing else. Do you got anything you want to say to the people?
1: I do. If you need something off of rainstore.net, use Discount code STPODCAST10 for 10% off. And thanks,
0: everybody. Jeff, it was great talking with you tonight. Thanks, Steve. Good talking with you. And don't forget, one shot, one steal.